Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, budgeteers. We are very excited to be talking about a topic that's really near and dear to my heart. It is about making a consistent and predictable income for all of you who don't benefit from a consistent bi-weekly salary paycheck. So whether you are hourly, you work for tips, you get commission, or you're self-employed, we're gonna be talking about how you can have a consistent and predictable income. I'm joined today by Sarah Jones, as always. Sarah, welcome. Hey, Nino. Hey, guys. So excited to talk about this um, because it's something that I've struggled with in my own life. And so many of the people that I work with um, have this same question. And and I don't like to, I shouldn't use the word struggle, but um, it's a, it's kind of a sticking point, shall we say, for a lot of people, right? Like, how do I handle this? My, my income's a little bit, um, you know, not consistent. Um, and I've lived it. So it's, yeah. uh, dear I've to me both, as well. <laughs> I've lived I've both, both sides, sides of that, that where, where, um, you know, you know being a salaried employee, that's, that's great. great. You know, having a bi-weekly income where every, every two, two weeks, weeks it's the exact same, same amount of money. money. Like that's, that's great. great. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately the, you know, in my, uh, career that has been uh less so the case i i've had a salaried uh position here and there but more of my life has been somebody who i've worked hourly and my hours vary every week and so my paycheck even if my even if the frequency was predictable the the amount was not and then i remember waiting tables and and, you know, some Friday nights were really, really good. And Saturday afternoons, not as good, like all of that, right? And then I think about all of our real estate friends who are out there you know, selling houses and they uh, may, maybe more so than anybody understand the idea of feast and famine where you have like really, really good months and maybe sold two or three houses and all the commission coming in from those. And then those famine months where maybe you're just struggling and, you know, real estate can be seasonal at times and it's just a bad season. And so I think this is a topic that a lot of our listeners really can relate to. And, and uh, like I said, I'm excited to kind of jump into it. Sure. You know, dare I say, you know, that, you know, I always had, my husband had a job where his income was fairly predictable. So we, you know, that was, but mine was always a little bit, you know, I part-time jobs here and there, you know, in a couple of businesses. And so our, our family income was not as predictable. His was, but mine wasn't. And um, quite honestly, in the past several months, since our life has changed and we're full-time RVers now, I'm actually the pretty much the sole provider of our household. And so going from that consistency with him to only the soul now. So new season of life for us here. And we've had to readjust our budget and to um, get used to doing things a little bit differently. So um, I love this episode today and, and the things that we're going to talk about because I've lived it very recent, very recently. So, yeah. 
and that's and that's, that's incredible because you know I think we we kind of talked about a, a couple of different you know the tips the hourly uh, the commission but those like the self employed which mm -hmm. real estate agents might you know. Uh, kind of fall into that category, but the truly like self-employed, completely reliant on self. Um, and, you know, it, it, it can be challenging mm. to find that consistency in, um, you know, the revenue and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. What I would, how I kind of want to frame this episode up though, for our listeners is understand that if you are self-employed, whether you're a sole proprietor or maybe you even run a small business um, and you have a few employees, understand that we can do a whole episode <laughs> on just how you should structure your business finances to then um, kind of funnel that, that, that little personal piece into your personal finances. We really want to keep the focus today on kind of the personal finances side of that. So mm -hmm. what we're going to assume is even if you're self-employed, again, sole proprietor or small business, that hopefully you have your business finances under control enough that you understand what your revenue is, you understand what your expenses are. And so what we're really focusing in on is one of your, if not the most expensive expense your business ha has, and that is payroll. But specifically, we wanna talk about your individual pay. Essentially, whether you, work hourly tips, commission or self-employed, we want you to treat yourself like a salaried employee of, I don't know, a company called Your Name Here LLC. Okay, so Sarah Jones LLC, Nino Villa LLC. We're, we're gonna treat your, your money like it's business revenue and that business has an expense called payroll and so we're going we're gonna to pay you. That's the focus of our conversation today. So with that being said, let's, let's get some business terminology out of the way. I want you to, I want every one of our listeners, even if you're hourly, I want you to think of all of your income as if it was business revenue. So Sarah Jones, Nino Villa is the entity and they are, Offering a service to wherever the money's coming from. If you're if you're a server and you're waiting tables, you're an entity providing a service to the restaurant you work for. I just want you to think about it that way. In your mind, I just want you to think about how you are the entity, you're providing a service, and so that entity has business revenue. That's the money that your employer's paying you, or if you're truly self-employed, your clients are paying you. The next, the next thing, thing I want you to be thinking about is, like I, I mentioned just a few moments ago, what expenses your, your new business has. And maybe the only expense is payroll. But if you're self-employed, even when I started uh, financial coaching, I, I had some overhead, right? I had, to, I had some bills I had to pay that wasn't just me. I had some technologies I had to pay for you know, some marketing I wanted to do, that sort of thing. So you got to be thinking about that, but then focus on your, your payroll expense. And then we're going to talk about a term called retained earnings. I just want you to kind of maybe jot that down or park it in your, your mind somewhere. We're going to come back to this idea of retained earnings. 
and retained earnings are just simply a fancy way of save, saving as part of a business. So if business has revenue and business has expenses, business also has retained earnings. It's money that you've made that you have not yet spent. All right, those fair? Yeah, I you break that down and explain that way better than I do. So I love it. <laughs> and so, um, so, if we're working off of this premise that you're going to treat yourself like a business, that's the foundational principle we're going to, to all kind of share. Then I have a couple of steps for our listeners as to, okay, so how do I get a consistent and predictable income? Like, you know, maybe like your spouse, maybe you have a partner or spouse who is a salary employee and you're like, man, I would love the consistency and the predictability that they have. Well, step number one, I want you to calculate your average monthly household expenses. You need to know how much does it cost to run your household? And so the example I like to use, um, I like to use my own example actually, and this is something that my wife and I had to sit down and, and we had to kind of readjust for the new year, right? New year, gotta kind of see like, does, does Nino need a raise? What are, the, what are the household expenses looking like? And when we went through that activity and we looked at the month, it takes us about between $4,500 and $4,600 every month to operate our household. This is put food on the table, keep a roof over our head, all of that stuff. But that's, the first, that's step number one. Step number one, Calculate your average monthly household expenses so you know how much it costs to operate your home. And and people can do that by if they've built their budget, right? Um, so you, you're looking at your budget and <clears throat> um, what it takes, right? What have you budgeted each month? So if you've been doing it for a while, you can go back through all your past budgets. And that's why it's so important to be tracking and keeping your budget, you know, written. Um, for each month so you can go back and use that data um but another way maybe nino is is if somebody is new to budgeting they could go back through their bank statements mm -hmm. right and um you know start I, I i i would like to assume i guess that they've been budgeting but if you're just new to this and and you're you've got irregular inconsistent income then you know go back through those past bank statements and start to highlight the categories, right? Start to build your budget and use that information going forward. Yeah, I think that's, a, you know, you bring up a really good point. It's it's not enough to kind of estimate. Right? Mm -hmm. So when I said, my wife and I sat down to like figure this out again, you're absolutely right. It's about putting down the, exp listing the expenses out and putting down the amount that those expenses are costing us. You know, if, if you've been listening to the podcast, you've probably heard Sarah and I talk about how important we think having a plan is. That plan is the budget, that dreaded B word, but the plan should include your pay periods and um, it should prioritize your expenses. So that's what we did. We sat down, we actually did a budget. We kind of reprioritized a couple of our expenses. Like, okay, this is more important to us now than it used to be. And this other one's not nearly as important. We made those adjustments and we looked at what does it cost for us to operate the house? Love it. So, so once, once you've, you've done, done that, that 
now that you know how much it costs to operate the house, you also know how much you need to bring home. So if you're married and you're a two-income household, and it takes you $4,500 to run the household, but your spouse is making 3000 well, now you know all you need, capital N, capital E, capital E, capital D, all you need to bring home is another fifteen or $1,600. Whatever that number is for you, if you're like me and you're the sole provider, and yourself, you just said too, you're, mm-hmm. you're recently the sole provider, Right. But if you're like us and you're the sole provider in your household, well, then now you know that you need to pay yourself at minimum $4,500, but most likely you want to add in a little bit of a buffer for expenses that are not as common. You know, you're going to have a birthday one month. You're going to have an anniversary some other time. So you probably want to pay yourself a little bit more than that. So in this example, if it takes you $4,500 to $4,600 to operate the house, I'd say pay yourself consistently every month. $5,000. Now, of course, this all assumes that you have your business affairs in order and you can Mm -hmm. kind of afford to do this. But that same kind of logic applies, again, if you're working on tips and you know that you're a two-income household, you're just trying to figure out how much does it cost to run the household so I can determine how much I need to be making every single month. Mm Mm-hmm. I love it. And, you know, we've kind of hit a little bit, and this is a little bit off topic, but I just want to make sure to mention that your business and personal really need to be separate. So we're going to, I'm going to assume that our listeners have their business and personal expenses and bank accounts separated. And so you are paying yourself, right, what you need and determining out of your business account into your personal um, account. So have those be separate if you haven't. Um, already. And I love it. You've mentioned the word several times, but consistent and predictable. I mean, gosh, what more could we want, right? That those two things so important when it comes to our finances in every single area. Yeah. And actually, I want to kind of expand on that for just a moment for anybody who is like hourly or on tips and you're like, well, wait a minute, I don't have a business account. I would actually encourage you to open up a separate account. It doesn't necessarily have to be a business account, but a separate checking account. And what I would really encourage you to do is have all of your, let's use the business terms, all of your revenue go into one checking account. And then you only move what you absolutely need to move from your your newly found business checking account over to your personal checking account when when you would like. And so I kind of got ahead of myself when I was talking about you you might want to pay yourself $5,000. Step two. So step one was calculate what the expenses of the household are so that you could determine how much you're going to pay yourself. But step two is kind of, it's got two parts. So step two A is decide how often you'd like to get paid. Maybe right now you're hourly, you get paid weekly. And that actually doesn't jive for you because your spouse gets paid Bi-weekly, and you'd much rather just everything kind of happen at the same time. Okay, well, if you have opened a separate checking account and that your direct deposits are going into that, and it's just kind of accumulating until you move it over on payday, you get to decide when payday is. So do you want to get paid weekly? Do you want to get paid bi-weekly? Or if you're like me, I decided about six months ago, I didn't like the bi-weekly pay periods anymore, and I went down to just once a month. 
once a month. Just bring home the money once a month, pay all the bills, be done with it. Don't have to worry about it for another 28 or so days. The second part of step two, so that's step 2B is what I said before, and that is pay yourself enough to cover what you absolutely need to cover plus a little bit. And so that was when I gave the example of $5,000. If your household expenses are $4,500 or $1,500, if you have a spouse who's making $3,000 and your household expenses are $4,500. So just pay yourself what you need, even if it's relatively low. You're going to get your hands on the, the, the other money, I promise you. We're going to get to that step in a few. But mm-hmm. just bring home what you absolutely need in order to make your monthly average expenses uh, or, or to cover your monthly average expenses. I love it. These are really good tips. <clears throat> I'll say I'm, I'm interested when you said, um, especially with like the tips, you know, if you're earning tips, um, to, to open up a separate account or even commissions, you know, open up a separate account. That's interesting. I've never, um, I've never thought about that. I do with my clients, people that I've worked with that are tips only people, or, you know, as a side hustle, getting tips, you know, how do we handle that? We do it a little bit differently, but that's very interesting opening up a separate account. Um, and I think you're very much the, 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 I don't want to say virtual, but maybe more cashless and I'm the the cash lover. Right. And so, (laughs) um, we do things a little bit differently, but I love it opening up a separate account and, you know, and maybe you would call it this, maybe not, you know, but I, I oftentimes refer to it as like a Hills and Valleys account. So, you know, kind of keeping the, the, the extra money right in there and paying out of that, what needs to be paid. Um, what I need to be paid for the month. Right. And then leaving the other, mm-hmm. um, and maybe I stepped, stepped ahead a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, I refer to it generally as like a Hills and Valleys account. Um, but I love it. Great tips. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard you use that, that term before and you're absolutely right. Like that's, that is what it is. And, and that is kind of where we were going to head next. So, Step one was calculate your household expenses. Step two, A, decide off how often you want to get paid. Step two, B, um, determining how much to actually bring home based off of what you need to cover those expenses. So step three is now, let's say you have that separate checking account. You're going to save all of your revenue in this new checking account. And you're only going to pay yourself what you absolutely need. And you're going to leave everything else in that account. And I go back to like, it's funny, like this is maybe easier for people who um, make commission or who are self-employed to kind of think of this in these terms. But I remember back when I was serving tables and I was, you know, maybe I had a like what I thought was a great night. This was a couple of decades ago now. I can't believe I just said that out loud. Anyway, if I had like a $500 night, it was like, that's awesome. But all of that cash, I, I, I mean, 20 years ago too, I didn't have a plan for my money like I do nowadays. But I can, I can imagine being back in that situation and thinking instead of money in, money out, like I got money in on a Friday and then I'm going to pay that bill on a Tuesday. Like, no, no, no. Like money in, let it sit in this account and accumulate over my shifts, right? Like just keep putting money into this account over my shifts throughout the week. 
and then just pay myself once every week or once every two weeks or whatever that is. But to think about it and then to like, imagine, you know, for a moment that you, you accumulate all this money. Let's say you do surf tables, you work five shifts. Let's say you make $300 a night. You just made $1,500 that week. But you know that all you need is $500 a week to kind of pay your bills. These are totally made up numbers. Mm -hmm. Well, in this scenario, you'd have this extra $1,000 in the bank. And you're like, well, why would I just leave it? Like, I, I got other things I got to do, whatever, whatever, whatever. Now, I just want you to take a deep breath. I want you to slow down long enough to say, no, no, no. Like, you know what? I've created a plan. I know what my expenses are. I just need this $500. So now this $1,000 gets to sit there. Mm -hmm. It's not going to sit there for long. I promise you, get to have your money. I just want you to have your money in a smarter, more productive way. So that $1,000 that we would keep in there or any money that we're going to keep above our pay, that's the retained earnings I was talking about earlier. So we have these retained earnings. We've earned this money, but we're we're retaining it. We're saving it. What are we saving it for? I'm so glad you asked. You know, I'm having a conversation with myself at this point. What are we saving it for? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Um, no, but uh, seriously, so you're saving it two, for two purposes. One, you mentioned it earlier, Sarah, when you talked about hills and valleys. So you're not... Maybe a $1,500 week in, in tips at, at um, a restaurant, maybe that was a really good week, followed up by not such a great week. Mm -hmm. Well, now at least you have money in the account that you're going to be able to pay yourself again the next Friday consistently and predictably another $500. That's where the consistency and the predictability come in is I have retained earnings money I've held back. Mm -hmm. so that I can pay myself my next pay period, you know, very, um, you know, very predictably. Right. And I love that because then you're also creating the habit of not pulling out of your peace of mind fund, right? So mm. your peace of mind fund is left because that's not a slush fund, right? That's not our Hills right. and Valleys account. That's our peace of mind fund that, that we leave alone. And so this creates you're creating two habits, really. You're creating mm -hmm. the habit to leave that peace of mind fund for the unexpected things that come up. And you're also creating mm -hmm. the habit of um, not spending every dollar that comes into your hands, right? right. That that um, you're thinking forward, your future self. I talk about my future self mm -hmm. a lot. My future self will definitely thank me for having these retained earnings, right? In this Hills and Valleys account. Yes. Yes. So, so, you know, I kind of gave like uh, um, a, a, a small example of like your waiting tables, but let's, I, I also want to kind of apply the steps we've talked about so far just to you know, a, a bigger example, just so that mm -hmm. you can kind of see both sides of the spectrum. So um, I'll use, I'll use kind of a personal uh, approach here. So I told you we've, identified 45 to $4,600 a month to, to run the household. So in the year 2022, I will be paying myself $5,000 a month. Okay, so uh, that's, that's the money coming into the house. But as 
I work throughout the year, you know, maybe one month is a great revenue month. And maybe I bring in $20,000. Maybe that's followed up by a month where I only bring in $3,000. So if I was in the habit of spending every dollar that I had, even if it was for good reasons, Mm-hmm. If, if in a $23,000 month, I spent $23,000, well, then in the month that I only made $3,000, I wouldn't have enough money to cover my expenses. So that's one of those reasons why you want this Hills and Valleys retained earnings type of account. So, okay, Nino, so I have some money set aside for my consistent and predictable income, but what happens if this thing grows over time and all of a sudden I look up and I have like, $30,000 in an account. And I'm like, well, I'm only paying myself $5,000 a month. Why do I need such, you know, such a big, large amount of money in the bank? And the answer is you don't, but here's the fourth step to this, this process. And that is determine how much of the retained earnings you want to keep in the account at all times as like your baseline fund. Now, it's really easy to say you want to do three months, six months, or 12 months of income in that account. So let's go back to the fact that I'm paying myself $5,000 a month. That example would be if I want to save three, three months worth of income and I always want to have that at the ready, well, then I want that account to be no lower than $15,000. If I wanted it to be six months, $30,000. And I'll tell you, me personally, I'd much rather have six months of savings and, and, and income at the ready, so that's where I keep it. Mm-hmm. Once you kind of know what your baseline is, let's talk about what you do with any excess, or not access, excess, mm-hmm. more, more than the, the $30,000. So anytime you have more than that baseline that you said you want in retained earnings, I wouldn't do this every month. So I wouldn't say whenever it gets above that, I would say once a quarter, once every six months or once a year, you get to, to write yourself a nice little bonus check. So let's go back to the example of if I need $30,000 in there to be comfortable and it's the end of March. So January, February, March, we're at the end of a quarter. And I look and there's $50,000 in there. Nino writes himself a $20,000 bonus check to take care of all the other financial goals that I have, whether that's paying off debt, investing, whether that's investing in the kids college or my retirement or in another account as a down payment on real estate property, whatever that is. But I get to look up every three months Look at that account, and if it's above that amount that I said I needed in retained earnings, I just write myself a nice little bonus check. I so that it. money is yours, but I'd much rather people do this to give themselves a little bit of a peace, peace of mind, not the peace of mind fund, I'm kind of stealing that language, to say peace of mind of that consistent and predictable income every two weeks, once a month, or whatever frequency they decide. Sure. I love that. and. Um, you know, and it, it gives people, you know, just a way to feel really comfortable, right? It brings in this safety. I think women in general, and I'm going to generalize a little bit here, 
that we like to feel very safe, right? And, and, and money in a savings account or in a separate account that provides a safety net for us, right? Not the peace of mind fund, you know, I mean, but just knowing that commission or, you know, um, tips only, you know, bartender, waitresses, waiters, um, you know, even self-employed, right? Knowing that inconsistent or variable income can cause fear and panic a lot of times, right? And so just bringing in that safety, you know, that, that feeling of being safe um, is really powerful when we're working with money, when we're looking at our finances, because oftentimes um, we have, again, those negative feelings. And so bringing in something that's positive, I think is powerful and creates a habit and creates that atmosphere that we want to keep going. We want to keep using that, right? We want to keep mm -hmm. feeling that safety, um, healthy safety, right? That those healthy habits of um, creating something that allows us to pay our bills, but also reach those bigger goals too. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, you know, um, it was it was early on in my coaching practice. Two things happened. One, I worked with a client who um, I think he, I, I probably had heard this a couple of times, but for whatever reason, it clicked differently when mm -hmm. when talking to him. But he, he was a uh, small business owner, um, didn't have like W two employees, had ten ninety nine contractors. That's neither here nor there, but. He said something that just shocked me. But like I said, I, I had heard it before and it was like, ooh, it just landed differently. He's all, I said, so what is your income? Like as we're putting together his and his wife's budget, I'm like, what's your income? And he's all like, I just dip into the business when I need to. And I'm like, yikes. Like, like, but like I said, at that point, it wasn't the first time I had heard it. So like it really dawned on me that here is this, this um, like cohort of like entrepreneurial spirit, you know, real estate, um, real estate agents. And um, I mean, anybody who's hanging out their own shingle, I, I have um, my mother's a, uh, a therapist who had worked for hospitals and whatnot for a very long time. And then one day decided to hang out her own shingle. And it's like, there's, there's, there are these people out there who are, Doing, doing the thing, thing that they, they love, love most in life and they, and they get to do it on their, their terms. terms. Mm -hmm. But it but often leads to very scary, scary financial situations that are wildly unpredictable right. and of course inconsistent. And so it it was it was that and then I had um I had got laid off from a W two uh, employer and I decided to go full time with my coaching practice. It was it was my side hustle for a while, and then I decided, all right, I'm gonna all in on this. And those two things, talking to that particular client at that particular time, and making the decision to go full time, made me realize there has to be a different way to manage my money when these are the variables. The variables are, I don't know when the money's coming in, I don't know how much money's coming in. There's got to be a way that I can iron that out mm -hmm. and and kind of get back to that 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 frequency and that predictability that I was used to. And so this was just a method that 
I kind of sat down and, and devised for myself. I worked it with that particular client and then a couple of others in a similar situation. And we all started seeing a lot of success in, in managing our money this way versus whatever it was that we're doing beforehand. Right. And really what you're doing is you're making yourself a priority, right? You're making... Um, especially business owners, you know, just pulling out of the business when necessary or the business can't afford to pay me yet, right? You really mm. need to make yourself, paying yourself a priority. And that goes along with, you know, and whether you're, you're commission-based or, you know, tips-based, you know, paying yourself first, making sure that you know what you need to survive and to live and what your expenses are, priority number one, right? Nino, do you mind if I share for all my cash-loving friends out there um, for tips especially, you know, because let's let's face it, tips are generally paid in cash. And so what do we do if we don't want to go to the bank, you know, every day and deposit that cash into a separate account? Um, so what I generally recommend and what I've had clients do is take that cash that you receive from tips um, every night, right? And put them in a different, put them in an envelope, put them in a safe, put them in a safe place um, in your home every night, just deposit those funds. So like you're going to the bank, but you're going to, um, you know, your safe or that envelope in your house and you're depositing those funds. You're taking them out of your wallet. You're taking them out of your purse right away and you're putting them someplace different, right? Um, and then I like to follow the the natural um, pay period. So, um, you're getting a, a paycheck from the place that you're working. I don't think there are any hundred percent tips only places anymore. So you're getting some form of a paycheck. Um, so whether that be weekly, biweekly, once a month, I like to just follow that natural pay, um, payday pay scale that you're on already. Right. And so when you get that paycheck, that's when you take the cash out of that big envelope you fill your cash envelope, so everything that you've laid out in your budget to fill cash envelopes, you've got the cash right there. You're tracking, so let me step back. You're tracking all of this cash, right? You are, because it is all income. So you're tracking on all of the cash's income. You're filling your cash envelopes. And then when you're taking that check to deposit into the bank, or even if it gets direct deposited, you're then that same day, it has to be the same day, right? Creating this habit, you're depositing that cash into your bank account as well. So whether it goes into your regular, you know, that checking account, or if it's going into that retained earnings, you know, your Hills and Valleys account, wherever you're deciding to put that, that's where it goes. So you can then finish paying the rest of your bills. But um, I definitely re recommend that when you're getting cash chip tips, Take it out of your wallet or your purse every single night, you know, and make that physical habit of depositing that cash into another location, right? Get it out of sight, out of mind, so you're not tempted to use it throughout the week because you've got your cash envelopes to be using for that. Yep. yep. It's, it's so, so important, important, and I'm so glad you mentioned it. 100%. One, one of those bad habits that I had when I was serving tables is having the cash on me at all times. It makes it way too easy to just start spending mm -hmm. And um, I, I love the idea of, you know, get it out of your wallet into some other location in the house and out of sight, out of mind. It's it's like it doesn't even exist yet. Mm -hmm. uh, 
which is which is again going to help with that consistent and predictability of weekly, bi-weekly, whatever that frequency is. Of just pretend like you don't have money until payday, right? And then on payday, you take care of everything that you need to take care of. Your plan includes spending money for yourself, all of those different things. Um, if you're wondering what your plan should include. You can go back to previous episodes where Sarah and I discussed what should go into your plan. You can also go to newmoneyhabits.com and download our budget worksheet, and it will help you to uh, formulate that plan based on pay periods, based on uh, priority of expenses, all that stuff. But absolutely, get that money out of your wallet, put it somewhere safe. And as we were talking about tips, it, it just it, and just the idea of like a side hustle, like anybody listening who has a side hustle right now just to kind of help out. So whether that's you're delivering pizzas, maybe you're you're driving for rideshare, whatever. Everything we just talked about, everything we just talked about is 100% made for that. Yes. Yes. Because like rideshare, like I, I, I want to explicitly say this for a second, like rideshare Y'all need to pretend like you're a business and you have revenue coming in, but you also have expenses called gasoline, called wear and tear on your vehicle. Your business, your quote business has expenses. And if you just kind of money in, money out, like, you know, I, I haven't done right share myself, so this might not be a real example, but you know, let's, let's say you had a $15 ride. And so you just made $15 but now you turn around and you have to go to the gas pump, not because of that particular ride, but just because it's time to fill up the, the car again. And now the $15 is gone. Like you didn't plan, like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to assume you didn't plan, but I would imagine I would be incredibly frustrated if I didn't have a plan and I felt like every dollar I was making for ride share was just being turned around and spent on something else, either related to that ride share or well you're, you're working a side gig for a reason right it's not just because you like working 100 hours a week I, if there's somebody <laughs> right. out there then then you know please correct me i i'm going to jump out here and say that generally you're not working a side gig just because you want to work all these extra jobs you're working a side gig because your budget requires you're not making enough in your full-time job your family's you know your paycheck to paycheck so make the most out of that side gig income, right? And have your plan. And again, just as Nino said, I, I love it. Pretend you're a business, you have business expenses. And so um, your insurance is going to go up, right? And so have you prepared for that? So there's so many things. So yes, re remind yourself that you're working that for a reason and plan accordingly, right? Don't just mm -hmm. spend everything that that comes in. Um, and also, dare I say, you need to make sure that it's actually worth it for you, right? So keeping track of that stuff and having a plan, sometimes side gigs aren't all they're cracked up to be. And that could be a whole other episode, but just when, when you're planning, right? And you're keeping track of what money you're making versus what money your expenses, what, what your expenses are, you need to know whether it's, it's actually a good idea for you to be doing that, right? If it's profitable. So yeah, tracking, 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 tracking. Yeah, yeah just yeah, don't just don't assume, don't assume just because you made a couple hundred dollars this week that it didn't actually cost you more than a couple hundred dollars to to complete that activity, whatever it was.
Well, this, as we kind of said at the, the beginning, like this is kind of a really big topic. I was, it was fun to kind of explore it. I know we could have explored a heck of a lot more, but what I want to do is I kind of want to wrap up with, I want to reiterate the steps. So if you're listening, you have the opportunity to, to either like type some notes on your phone or grab a piece of paper uh, and jot these down. Just remember step number one, you got to calculate your average monthly household expenses. Step 2A is determine how often you'd like to get paid. Are you going to do it weekly, bi-weekly, 1st and 15th, or once a month? Step 2B is pay yourself enough to cover those expenses plus a little bit. Step 3, save all of your revenue into a business checking account. That's where you're going to pay your payroll from, and you're going to keep everything extra just in that account as retained earnings. Step four, you're going to determine how much you need to keep in that retained earnings to feel comfortable. So is it three months of income, six months of income, 12 months of income? And step five, you're going to pay yourself a bonus with any money that's beyond those retained earnings. And you're going to do that either once a quarter, uh, twice a year, or once a year. I really like once a quarter. It works out very nicely. Every three months, you're getting a nice little, little bonus. Love it. Such great tips. Awesome. awesome. I also, I also want, to want to remind everybody that if you're looking to, to develop a plan, maybe you're new to budgeting, you can head over to newmoneyhabits.com. You can download our budget worksheet there. Um, you can also, if, if you are like thinking about these steps and you're like, these steps sound amazing and I really want to do this, but I need a little bit of help, do know that you can find uh, links in the description uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast to schedule time with either Sarah or myself. If you just need help, if you need a thought partner, if you need somebody to kind of just walk you through that, just know that we are available for that as well. And we have another, we have a bunch of other resources on our website as well to help you kind of manage your money well. So I want to thank all of our budgeteers for tuning in and we look forward to continuing the conversation next time. Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits podcast brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our hosts by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.